0: God who provides, loosen our grip on the myth of scarcity. Remind us that when we love one another, there is more than enough love to go around. When we care for one another's needs, our own needs will be met. Help us to look to the most vulnerable among us, as the early disciples did long ago when they cared for widows and orphans and the poor among them. May our sharing together increase our joy and connection. May we remember it is you who gave us this beautiful earth. You give us the breath of life. You who lived as one of us, died as one of us, and lives again. You are amazing, O God, and awe-inspiring. Give us strength to name our real needs and ask for help when we need it so that we may also be receivers as well as givers of your love and care. God of great compassion, your love for us is overwhelming. When we stand at the shore and look out as far as we can see, your love is greater still. When we stand and gaze up at the night sky, at the stars of the Milky Way, even through a telescope, we cannot know all that you have made. You are too wondrous, too amazing for us to comprehend. Yet, we have known you through the stories passed down to us, the words of prophets and singers and sages, our ancestors of the faith, the church elders who have taught us. We know you in the whisper of the wind, the sap rising in the trees, the wings of butterflies and eagles. We know you in the smell of a newborn baby's head, their cries and laughter. We know you in the last breaths of our loved ones returning to you in the earth and air and water we have come from. You are amazing, compassionate, merciful, and so beyond what we can ever know, and yet we have a glimpse of you in our lives. We are grateful for the simple threads we can follow the hint of trails that lead to deeper understanding, every clue you have left us imprinted in the universe and in our heart. We thank you and praise you, great and merciful God, full of compassion, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Hmm. witness of scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 32 verses 22 through 31. The same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Jacob took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck Jacob on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to Jacob, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed Jacob. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, yet my life is preserved. The sun rose up upon Jacob as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip.
1: There is a church in Norman that places signs in their front yard with messages meant to encourage people to visit. The messages are sometimes clever, sometimes edgy. Whichever the case, they draw our attention, which is what advertising is meant to do. Currently, the church is displaying the following message meant to convey its style and theology. On a yellow background, the word no in big black letters is on the top left side of the sign, under which in red letters are these words, no judging, pressure, snakes, yelling, boredom. (laughs) On the top right of the sign in big black letters is the word yes, Under which, in red letters, are the words, yes, biblical, relevant, fun, friendly, you. Well, that's all well and good. If it was yes to snakes and pressure, that might curtail my interest. Biblical and relevant, that seems good. Although, it might be important to find out what the church means by biblical and relevant, since most churches would make that claim. What's absent from the sign? How could they have missed this, you are probably already asking yourselves. What's missing is the word wrestling. How could they have left out wrestling? Had they thought to include it, Would the word be under no or under yes? To be fair, wrestling may be missing from the signs of most people's faith. Ironically, where it is not missing is in the biblical story, especially the story told in Genesis of Jacob at the river Jabbok. In fact, Jabbok is the latest locale of Jacob's wrestling because he's been grappling and grasping from his very first day. The second born of twins, Genesis says that when they were born, Jacob is grabbing Esau's heel. He's trying to get ahead. In the revealing creativity of names, Jacob means supplanter or heel grabber, and he spent most of his life living into his name. Frankly, this story about Jacob at the Jabbok is contentious in every way. There is no way to hear this story without wrestling with some part of it along the way. While Jesus's parables intrigue us, this story from Genesis mystifies us, which is fine, albeit perhaps uncomfortable, as long as we remember that biblical mysteries are not problems to be solved. Instead, they are adventures meant to be explored. Like the parables Jesus tells, the mystery in Jacob's story tends to unsettle easy faith and conventional concepts of God. So, as we explore the mystery of this story in Genesis, we recognize the mystery of this story explores us. And when we say mystery, we write that with a capital M. Jacob, as we recall, is not the most admirable character. The clutching incident on his birthday became the reality of his relationships thereafter. Jacob grabbed for everything he could get his hands on. He wanted control. And up until the Jabbok, he was mostly successful at getting whatever he wanted. From the start, and for reasons that evade logic, the parents have a favored child. There was something that drew Isaac to Esau, and there was something that drew Rebekah to Jacob. Now, alliances are not necessarily bad until someone lives or feels on the outside of the alliance. And culturally, the firstborn had most of the advantages, most of the inheritance, and much of the power would go Esau's way, but Jacob had no intention to settle for that. So, in cahoots with his mother, Jacob was able to gain the birthright away from Esau for nothing more than a helping of hungry man. Maybe, maybe Esau was not up to the task. If he gave away his position for nothing more than a bowl of stew. He seems short-sighted, if not easily duped. The deal is sealed some years later when Jacob, dressing up like Esau, goes into the aged and dim-sighted Isaac to grab the blessing that's meant for Esau. Jacob, with the help of his mother, took advantage of old dad and he got the will changed so that he could have Esau's portion. Genesis refers to it as blessing and it is more binding than any legal document just as words spoken in great love or deep disregard can land firmly within the soul. Jacob now has what he has been after from day one. And Esau is enraged. And he vows to take it back by taking out Jacob. The story is a reminder that actions have consequences. And as a result, Jacob has to flee for his life by living in the far country with his mother's brother, Uncle Laban, who it turns out is cut from the same cloth as Jacob and apparently his mother. If we stop the story right there, then we could have an Aesop's moral. Maybe we could put it on a sign in a churchyard. The problem is the story doesn't stop there, and it does not go that way. While Jacob is on the run, he stops for the night, and he has a dream. It is not the dream of a guilty conscience in which God is giving Jacob a holy comeuppance. Instead, it is a dream of a ladder stretching from heaven to earth with angels coming up and down that ladder and God promising to be with Jacob. It is, despite his conniving and controlling, God's offer of covenant to Jacob. God's call to Jacob to live in God's ways of relating. And at first, Jacob is on board. But, When morning arrives, Jacob takes God's offer of covenant and rewrites it into a conditional contract. If you will do thus and so for me, God, if you will answer the prayers I have, grant the requests I make, then we're going to get along just fine. But if not, well, then there are plenty of other gods to turn to. Few, if anyone, states it as boldly as Jacob did, but we recognize in many expressions of religion and voiced by some people a similar perspective, that God is invoked for convenience, not covenant, for self, not service, for confirmation, not transformation. Genesis is silent, at least for now, about God's response to Jacob's Proposal, but at least God does not withdraw the offer, testimony that God is not easily dissuaded, even by our conditions, from offering the covenant. Early on in the biblical story, and thanks be to God, amazing grace makes its appearance. Well, to fast forward the story, Jacob makes it to Uncle Laban's land, and he does quite well, although not without Laban working him over to get both of his daughters married to him, 11 children born, and plentiful herds that are the envy of all the neighbors. But then comes the day when Jacob decides it's time to go home because implanted deeply in everyone is that yearning for home. So, with one last intrigue, Jacob takes not only what Laban has given him, but also some of what Laban had not given to him, and he heads back home. As he gets close to home, Jacob gets wind that Esau is coming to meet him, along with 400 of his best friends, all armored up. Convinced that Esau will even the score from 20 years ago, Jacob sends his families on ahead, along with his herds, so to grease Esau's palms and calm his presumed vengeance. It's hard. It's hard for Jacob to get past himself, to see that what once was does not necessarily determine what will be. Jacob knows the contractual life of if-then, not the covenant life of reform renewed. Jacob did not know God is greater than he is. He did not know that life could be more than what he connived and controlled. And what happens next is as shadowy and mysterious as the darkest of nights. As Jacob is alone by the jabbok, which means emptying or pouring out, he drifts off to sleep but he does not have the dream of another celestial ladder. Instead, Jacob is thrown into the mud, engaged by a force he knows not what, but it has been variously described as man, an angel, as God, and who's to say for sure how God can be present? They wrestle all night, until first light breaks. At which point, still grasping with all his might, Jacob demands the blessing he has always wrestled away from everyone else but can't seem to take at the Jabbok. And this faithful foe draws the match to a close by making the wrestling move of all time that dislocates Jacob's hip. And Jacob now realizes, by the mercy of God, that he is not the most powerful force in the world, that his life is as much contingent on the grace of God as everyone else's. He still asks for a blessing, but as Frederick Beekner observes, it is not a blessing that he can have now by the strength of his cunning or the force of his will, but a blessing he can have only as a gift. We do notice in the story that before the blessing is given, there's a question. What is your name? When Jacob was asked that question before by his father, Remember? He lied. This time, Jacob admits who he is: heel grabber, supplanter, conniver, controller. And with that bit of honesty in hand, Jacob can now actually receive the blessing, which is that he is more than all those things he has just named. Beekner again observes, power, success, happiness, as the world knows them, are his who will fight for them hard enough. But peace, love, joy are only from God. It is as if Jacob has come to himself and is now able to receive what the blessing of God and the blessing of life is, peace, love, joy, covenant, healing, even as something has to be put out a joint along the way to make room for God's covenant. Well, there are a million takeaways from this story which is more about the wondrous redemptive mystery that we don't know as much about compared to the likes of Jacob, whom we know too much about. Not only in others, but perhaps occasionally, even in ourselves. So first and foremost, let the story remind us that God's redemptive powers outlast human deceptive powers. It's not without a struggle many times, but the story says God's way endures. Second, the story serves as a corrective to a certain picture of God. Debbie Thomas has written As a child and a teen, I thought of God as terribly fragile, easily offended, easily upset, easily put off. Stories like Jacob's point to a God who is infinitely more interesting than the God I feared in childhood. A God who wants to engage, a God I can come at with the whole weight of my thoughts, questions, ideas, feelings. A God who invites my rigor, my persistence, my intensity. That's a God I won't let go of. Wrestling is not a bad or even a scary thing because it's the opposite of apathy. It's the opposite of resignation. It's the opposite of loneliness. So, if you are wrestling, For whatever reason, please do not think that means your faith is lacking. Because faith does not always live at high noon nor rest in the easy chair. And then there's this it's what happens after that night by that river called emptying. When Jacob and Esau meet, Esau Embraces Jacob. They fall into each other's arms, not wrestling for anything, but embracing each other in love, forgiveness, and honesty, and hope, and future. And it's Esau who makes that happen. Esau is to Jacob, now Israel, the very presence of God not one to be duped and deceived, but through whom to be reconciled and received. Esau, contrary to what he thought all those years before, does have blessing given to him, and it's blessing that he can also pass on. So, if you happen to be driving down the street this week, and you see the sign that says, no judging, pressure, snakes, yelling, boredom, yes, biblical, relevant, fun, friendly, you, you might be inclined to ask them, what about wrestling? (laughs) Well, you know what? It's a sign of faith.